I'm trying to. Was that? Was that Bin Laden or that was Saddam? Saddam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because that was uh, in Baghdad, Iraq, back in the day. Um, Bin Laden was Obama, and I think he said, uh, "America." Justice has been done. I think he said something to that effect. I couldn't even make it through it. I, for some reason, I remember it was like really late at night whenever that happened. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. It was later in the evening. Um, wow. Um, Buddy, it is um, – they're coming, man. Yeah. They're coming. They're coming, and it's uh, it's going to continue to get better, too. That's yeah. That's just the thing. I mean, it, now – you the work isn't done like you go out there and you back all this up on the field like it, it's going to continue to happen now if you go out there and you go five and seven you can't win any football games okay well that's a that's a separate issue that's not what we're talking about here you got to go out there and obviously play good football and it's going to continue to get better and better and better and uh, gosh who knows where this class could could even end up. It it could be uh, it could be I, when, big time. When you say the sky's the limit with this class, I I think truly the the sky is the the limit with this class. Um, just because of the the crystal balls that are out there, and if those end up happening, yeah, man, it's really going to push for a top three class. In fact, I, all the crystal balls that are out there and all the rumors that are out there, if all those things happen, I think they'll end up with the top three class. They'll have a better class than USC and Texas. And one thing I mentioned last hour is the thing to get excited about to me, Teddy, isn't the fact that this class might end up as the number one, the number two, or the number three class. I think it matters, but I think really – that's immaterial for me for the most part. What I'm seeing here is a different recruiting class than we've seen in a long time and that the most important position of this entire class may be on the defensive line. Well, so yeah. whatever they end up, cool, that's awesome, that's great. Probably going to be the best class they've had in a while. But pay attention to what they're getting in the front seven with this class because they're getting some dudes, man. Yeah, because uh, you know I'm breaking news Colton Vosick has committed. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah. Wow. I'm breaking it. You heard it here first. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I just You're randomly gonna... played that we got him there. I had no idea yeah. that this happened. Oh, I thought you were talking about um, uh, no, the LeBlanc kid from Friday or, <laughs> yeah. or Thursday, whenever that was. Yeah. Um, you're only going to get that here. Only only right here on, uh, on the ref. Uh, only people in the market doing it. You, well, you, make, you say that. And it's actually true. Um, it's not just a David Payne joke? I, it's not a David Payne joke. I mean, you're only going to hear this on The Ref live. Actually talking OU football and not live golf. You're only going to hear this on The Ref. Listen here every day. We're issuing our own warning. Right issuing here. our own top three class warning here, right here live on The Ref. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you joke about that, but it is true. You're not going to hear it anywhere else. Yeah. Live well, on The Ref. Um, you know... You guys have, have been talking about this and everything, but these are not uh, – these are, these are big-time, legitimate defensive linemen, uh, front seven players, edge guys. You're beating out the, the schools who used to just, um, you know, hunt and click on these guys. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma hasn't been in 
battles like this against the teams that they're going up against and won at this position group in a long time, right? So uh, these are – it's exciting for a bunch of reasons. It's exciting because of the future, but it's also exciting because of the recent past and how difficult it's been to try and to try and get these guys to try and convince, you know, and I think that's one of the great things about Venables embracing the move to the SEC, right? Yeah. I mean, cuz you know, we were we were scared to talk about it before for whatever reason and Venables has been talking about it nonstop and you you take away what everyone else has been holding over your head. Oh, well, you know, Big 12 doesn't send any defensive linemen, any front seven players to the NFL. Well, you can't hold that over their head if they're talking openly and embracing and discussing the move to the SEC. And, you know, I think that's just one of the small pieces. The, the staff that Venables put together on the recruiting side has been outstanding. And it it just goes right back to the the whole. Well, you know, we'll see. He's a he's he's a defensive coordinator, and he's been a good one, but he's got no head coaching experience. Well, I think Brent Venables' best recruiting job was probably getting Todd Bates here. Seriously, Clemson wanted Todd Bates yeah, to did. stay bad, and he got him. Uh, Miguel Chavis. You know, he was kind of out pursuing some other things and wasn't sure if this is necessarily what he wanted to do. Convinced him, sold him on him, got him here, got him fully invested, and he's knocking out of the park. And, and, you know, the other side of the ball, too. Offensive guys. Uh, DeMarco Murray's doing, you know, what we knew he was capable of. Bill Biedenboe. You know, and a lot of this is it's not just guys – being good recruiters, you can't undersell the importance of having the recruiting infrastructure behind them. You know, for the longest time, you know, I talked about it with Bill Biedenboe. Bill Biedenboe coaches, I don't know, he's probably got 14 or 15 guys in his room, maybe more than that. He has to coach all of those guys. He has to recruit more guys at more positions than anyone else on staff. So he's got to go see more people in the same window. And previously he was doing all of it himself. Every text message, every social media, DM, and like, and retweet, and had to scan all of the film out there and try and figure out who his his targets are and who's some of the best players out there. Try to build a relationship with all of those guys Try and go see all of those guys uh, scheduling his own flights and scheduling his hotels and scheduling his rental cars. Something that nobody else at a school the caliber of Oklahoma was really having to exactly do. Exactly right. right. Yes. That's exactly right. And the first thing Venables did is put in all of that infrastructure behind those guys, and it's helped them be able to, to – you know, really crank up the intensity and build relationships. Spend more time building relationships and less time clerical work. 
when it's already yeah. paying dividends. No, and I think too, and and the text line can be the uh, the best gauge of this uh, for us today. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Which I almost fell backwards out of my chair uh, in the last hour when you read one of the text messages that said, "Will this really matter?" Well, and that's and that's yeah, that's my next point is because there was a feeling around here that when a high-level four-star or a high-level five-star player committed here, I mean, there was some excitement, but at the same time, man, there was a lot of hesitancy saying, well, I've seen this before with five-stars. We do a terrible job with this. Is he just going to be the next Mookie or something like that? I feel like, and again, I'll gauge the reaction of the text line, but I feel like there is more confidence now than there's been that not only are you going to get four- and five-star defensive linemen, but this time around, these dudes are going to be developed and they're going to become players. And if you don't have that feel, if you still have that feeling of, well, yeah, he's a highly ranked player, but I've seen this before, I'd advise you to change your tune on that one. Well, Because I do think that these guys are going to be better developed when they get to campus here. The track record of this staff tells me that that's going to happen. Yeah, um... It, that All of that is fair. Uh, it's fair to be excited about the, the recruiting class, but still have some hesitancy because we've seen some highly rated recruiting classes before. But you haven't seen, you haven't seen a highly rated recruiting class with this spread of talent. Yeah. You've had a highly rated recruiting class because you had a quarterback and three wide receivers. Right? That's a big difference, right? I mean, to have a the, the number one quarterback and three five-star wide receivers, that is a big deal. And I'm not saying that it's not, but, you know, there's been a whole lot has changed in football over the years. Whenever you go back to when we won our first championship in 1950 to where we are today, the, the game is totally different. But what's not different is you win on the line of scrimmage. That's how you win football games. That's how you win championships. So... That's what's got me so excited about this. Yeah, and uh, by the way, in case you missed it, Colton Vosick did commit to OU. His dad played at UT, was a good player there in the mid-90s. This kid, six, five and a half, two hundred and twenty-five 225 pounds, a four-star edge. Someone on the uh, text line was asking if he is like a rich man's Dan Cody. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your evaluation is on that, but there's a lot of Dan Cody's being thrown out right now for this kid. That, That is the comp that I was told. So, yeah. Um, he, right, uh, the, the comp from the staff is, like, Dan Cody, D- Dan Cody was a, um, off the farm, Ada High School, like diamond in the rough that wasn't going to get offered by, you know, very many other people. And we heard Venables, or uh, excuse it me, was Bob. Bob yeah. uh, Coach Stoops told the story about, well, we'll find a place for him. You just offer him a scholarship. Yeah, none of the assistants like wanted to take him on in their room, like wanted to fully commit to him. And Bob told him, like, no, we're, yeah. we're getting, we'll find a spot for him. And so I, I, I think, did. you know, it, it, here's the other thing that I think is is really important about a guy like this. You know, he, he's got the pedigree, his dad played. 
his dad's also a defensive line coach. Been there for a while. And which means he is he's going to, going to be really ahead of the game, you know, coming into coming into college early as a guy that already has a great understanding of like the real intricacies of defensive line work. Like there there's some some good coaches out there. There there's more good coaches than there's ever been, but to have your dad, a guy that played it, played it at a high level, that you know he, he's going to be able to speak that language and will have been in the fire with his dad for a long time. So that's awesome. And he's coming in at six foot five and a half, two hundred and twenty five pounds. That's a pretty good place to start when you're talking about a guy uh, coming off the end. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. a, a real good place to start. So uh, look, there's just continues to be more and more reasons to be excited about this staff moving forward. And the fact to me that it'd be different if they were landing these types of prospects in November when OU is clearly showing that they're a better defense. And there's proof, Teddy, that OU's back to having a good defense. I think it's, it's extremely telling that they haven't coached a game yet and they're getting these types of players. What's it going to look like? If OU has a good defense this year and in, on into year two, what is it going to look like if OU gets back to having elite defenses? Because they're recruiting elite defensive players without having the proof. If you've got the proof, then... Well, it's going to make it that much better, but, you know, Venables and his message and all of the things that they've put in up there, like a lot of it is the kids, and the kids are, are highly motivated by these position coaches and, and what a great job that they're doing and building those relationships. But, you know, it's a lot of the parents too, you know, whenever the parents go in there and hear about the holistic approach, I mean, I, as, as a parent talking about your son, I, that's what you want to hear. Uh, yeah. Everyone's going to tell you how great he is and, and, you know, how good of an athlete he can be, but you, you don't see a whole lot of, the approach that Venables has built behind the scenes and really getting these guys fully prepared for, for life after football and that stuff. I mean, that's really the recruiting pitch to the parents. And obviously it's not just a, it's not just talk. They follow through on that and they're, they're genuine about that, but like that speaks to the parents yeah. big time. No, it does for sure. Or the, uh, grandparents, like one set of grandparents was in this weekend and, uh, Sound like uh, that certain recruitment went well. Huh. Yeah. Well, what a Friday night it was in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. Might we be talking about that Friday night for a long time? <laughs> Potentially, yes. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, it's it, – and, and here's the thing. These are, these are all good developments. These are all uh, – these are all big things. But I – feel no different about the trajectory or outlook for this football program moving forward now than I did whenever they were the number 40 ranked class. Sure. According to 247. I think that you might be um, in the minority on that, but I I think that's, I mean, it's obviously fair to say because it's your thought, but yeah. And and I've said it from the beginning. It's good to get good players. But ultimately, it ain't going to matter. Like the development, the the coaching, 
the emphasis on details, putting those guys through the gauntlet, making them struggle as a team, making them go through the fire as a team, building a a tighter-knit group because of that, that's ultimately what's going to be the deciding factor. The the talent and stuff, it's going to come, and it's coming coming quick, and it's coming faster than – than I expected, but like the real meat and potatoes is the stuff they're doing sure. up there within the walls and looking good, good trajectory, especially for a, a team pick to finish by some like sixth or seventh in the Big Twelve. Uh, are they getting better recruits than Maryland right now? Yeah, we uh, OU was uh, compared to Maryland earlier. I wonder if the Terps are landing uh, elite dudes on the D line as well. I, I saw that so. they're in on a, a top guy. Maryland is. Uh, are a, they going to get him? A, a top guy. Yeah. <laughs> Under Armour stock's been down, so the NIL deal may not be able to compete. But we'll see. Big stuff. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep hitting us on the text line. I see them coming in. We'll get to as many as we can. 651-3439. It is the rush live on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. A lot to get to because a lot of you are excited about what OU football recruiting is doing right now. Entered into the day as the number seven overall class. I believe this commitment 25 minutes ago from Colton Vosick will get them back to the number six overall class. I'll check in on the, that one shortly. I think it was there. I looked a minute ago. It, it was It was at number six. I think so. Uh, outside of red uniforms and beating Texas, how are OU and Maryland similar? They're not similar, but they a don't guy... even have red uniforms, do they? Does Maryland? I mean, they have red in their uniforms. They have every color in their uniforms. Red, black, yellow. white, yellow. They definitely have yellow in there for the state flag. They're not similar, but a national guy that probably makes a lot of money to cover the sport compared to OU moving to the SEC like Maryland moving to the Big Ten. So that's the types of people that uh, you know we listen to <laughs> yeah that guy is he's a national college football reporter and that's some oh man that's just it's douchebaggery at a level you can't even explain for a guy that covers the sport nationally uh so we just snagged a ut legacy kid what does that say about the other locks over the weekend this class is going to be one for the ages not that i'm expecting this to be but have we ever had a number one class? I'm 46 and don't ever remember one. Really, ever since they've been keeping track of overall class rankings, no, OU's not had a number one overall class. Uh, what were they Adrian Peterson's year? Were they weren't? Were they close? Because uh, that would have been – was. Was that the was 04 Bomar class? In that class too? Yeah, yeah, Bomar was in that class too. I think maybe Bomar was number one overall player and uh, AD was the number three overall player or, or flipped that around. But I still don't think. I'll check on uh, – I think rivals will go far that back for team rankings. I'll check back to that year. But I don't think in – I think that yeah. was the 04 class. I don't think that they were. They yeah. were the number eight overall class that year. Huh. Well, Yeah. I guess. 
I don't know. Yeah, they had Adrian Peterson in the 04 class. Chris Patterson was a five-star backer out of Chicago in that class. Rhett Bomar, five-star quarterback, and they still weren't even a top-five class that year. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, Uh, grading on a – yeah, I just see USC had eight five-stars that year, so that's kind of hard to Those days are over. Those days are over at SC. Sounds like Lincoln is about to lose uh, one of his highest-ranked defensive players to uh, the defensive factory that is Ole Miss. So, I remember last week we were talking about uh, Southern Cal and one of the wide receivers, too, was going yeah, like maybe Zach going Branch, to a- A&M. Yeah, five-star receiver. So, they may lose two of their top players? Well, I mean, they, they've he's Zach Branch has visited A and M multiple times. Apparently, Malachi Nelson was there um, this weekend, and then Makai Lemons, their third highest ranked prospect, he's a four star athlete. Uh, you got to think if the top two guys bail, especially the quarterback, he probably ain't sticking around. You know, so they're in jeopardy right now with their one, two, and number five overall prospects in their own class. And if Damn. that goes south, buddy, it they'll, they'll end up – they're going to end up getting some dudes. They'll, they'll get some guy. They're not going to end up with the class of, you know, 12 kids or anything that ranks 65th, but it's not going to be the class that everyone thought that he was going to get in his first full cycle. You think that there's a chance the quarterback, the Malachi Nelson kid? Absolutely. Why would he Why would he just randomly take a visit to A&M this weekend if that wasn't a possibility? The thought is – is that it was just a move that get your NIL together, USC, because apparently that's not the case. Mm. Uh, it's still fascinating, regardless of what the real reason was. Wow. All right. There's a, U, there's a guy that covers USC. I was watching a video of him Friday, and what he said is, okay, yes, he's in College Station this weekend. There's a low probability that he immediately you know decommits and flips to A&M, but – if it's four months down the road and USC doesn't have their NIL act together a little bit better, then, yeah, there's a much higher chance that he were to decommit from USC or go to A&M or go somewhere else. So what I learned is, and I thought that USC just was just rolling on NIL. They had it all together. They were doing all these big things. Rolling uh, on promises? Yeah, yeah. Apparently they don't have it all together like they, you know, like yeah. everyone thinks. Well, I <sighs> – you know, it, it's it's got to be hard as whether it's a business owner or whoever are putting these things together. It's got to be hard to commit to. It's one thing to commit to players you've already seen do big things collegiately, right? Like it's one thing to to take a kid like Jordan Addison, who's maybe going to be the number one wide receiver taken in the draft. Or uh, a Caleb Williams, or who's you know uh, already a, a star, or you know the the back from Oregon. Like it's one thing for those guys, but whenever you're starting to have to pony up a ton of money for kids that haven't even played their senior year in high school yet, or at least have your ducks in a row for for those type of guys, that's got to be a hard sell, yeah. man. Well, and, and I think that's true, but I think it's also true to say that USC shouldn't need heavy NIL to get a big-time class, 
right? I mean, there, there's definitely – we just looked at a random recruiting class, 2004, where they had eight five-stars and they were the number one overall mm-hmm. class. They had it rolling during that time. I understand that. But USC should not need to go heavy NIL to own the West Coast. And they don't have it, and they're, and they're struggling right now. Well, what you say is, in fact, true. Um, and, you know, if you listen to everyone else, you would think that Oklahoma would have to go heavy NIL to be able to compete. Not so much, huh? But guess what? Not the case. Oh, my gosh. Is there a video of Miguel <laughs> Chavis in the pool screaming? Yes, there is. is that- <laughs> Thank you, Vegas Sooner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so his veins are popping out of his neck. He's got uh, tattoos. Oh, man, this is this is great. Have you ever this seen the movie 300? That's an insult to even ask that. You know the big, like, nasty beast that they have chained up that they end up having yes. to fight? That's what he looks like right there. <laughs> I love that he's got the gap at the uh, oh, yeah. between his two front teeth. Ah, oh, just great. Oh, that's uh, big. Big that's fan amazing. of that guy, Miguel Chavis. Uh, Rip Venables knew what he was doing, and and Parker and I were talking about it last hour. I really liked Jamar Kane, and mm-hmm. not only did I like Jamar Kane for his abilities as a coach and a recruiter, but my respect for him really kind of went through the roof when he conducted himself the way that he did after all of that went down last November when Lincoln left. Like, he was the dude that stuck around, kept the personal relationships, made sure everyone was okay. Um, He he did it the right way, and he wanted to stay here. Well, obviously, Brent Venables had other plans. So that was was a bummer, I think, for a lot of people to see Jamar Cain not stick around here. And now you're sitting here today saying, "Yeah, he knew." And not that Miguel, or not that Jamar Cain's not capable. He is, but you'll get what I'm saying. Obviously, he knew what he was doing with Miguel Chavis. Yeah, this guy's a superstar. Yep, and uh, and Jamar Cain's already done some really good things down there at uh, Louisiana State as he's uh, has started recruiting down there, which is not surprising. So, yeah. Um, that video is awesome. That's nah, amazing. So on brand for him. He needs to do it every time he lands a commit. Is just start screaming, let's go, really loud. Uh, for a guy that has his stuff together as good as he does, he looks like a psychopath in that video. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If, if you didn't tell me who that was, I would have said that's a random OU fan that's excited well, about the recruiting class. It just goes to what I keep saying. I feel like he's essentially Brent Venables' little brother. Mm-hmm. He's what Brent Venables was 20 years ago. Yeah. Just the intensity and everything that he's about. I mean, that's just that's who he reminds me of. Good stuff. They continue to roll, and I heard Parker Thune this morning on the T-Row in the morning show, uh, T.J. Perry, alongside the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, Toby Rowland. He said that if everything continues to go the way it's going now and all of the prospects that they are in on, they're able to convert those, this could be – a number that end up being the number two class. Yep. It's a real possibility. So are we ready to say that um, – yeah, I, I know the answer to this. It's a rhetorical question. But are we ready to say that Sunday, November 28th, 
could have been uh, one of the most impactful days in a positive way in the recent history of OU football. Are we ready to say that? I've been saying that <laughs> since the day I, I after said it, it happened. It's a rhetorical question. Right. Of course, we all say yes to it. Um, but how how crazy, you know? Because around here, obviously, we are in tune with some of the things that Lincoln Riley has been saying and doing out on the uh, the West Coast. And it wasn't very long ago at all that he was, you know, in another interview talking about, like, downplaying the roster that, you were, that he was capable of getting at Oklahoma and upplaying the roster that he's capable of getting at the University of Southern Cal. Like, how crazy would it be, like, if it was this quick – that Venables turns in a a top four or five class that's got a five-star quarterback, five-star defensive lineman, yep. edge guys, corners, DBs, linebackers. They backers. have Teddy. They have they have elite players at every single position. Right. They didn't just you know get lucky in a couple of areas. They've got two four-star running backs. They've got I think four offensive line committed. A five-star quarterback. Um, they're gonna get. They're gonna have a collection of you know probably three receivers when this class is over that that are elite guys, D linemen, backers, secondary players. It's they need they need the kicker and punter. They, you got to go out there and get a Coles kicking camp five star kicker and yeah. punter, and the, the class is complete. Yeah, there you go. Well, just start a freshman team next year. Let them just let them go ball. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. What does it all mean? National championship. Oh, okay. You weren't going to go there. You were going to say, we'll see. I don't know. No, I already said we'll it. We'll see what it means. We're just going to have to wait. We're going to have it, to wait a couple of years to see. Let's not count these kids as all Americans before hey, they do it. It'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's even better. <laughs> it'll be interesting. It'll be My interesting. favorite line from Sports Radio House. What's we'll it see. mean? I don't know. It's going to be it's interesting, gonna be though. It's going to be interesting. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line 651 3439. It is the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, live on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans inside the Brown O'Haver studio. A very happy birthday to the one guy that uh, people mistake Teddy for. Today is Rocky Kalmus's birthday. Oh, really? Happy birthday to uh, one of the greats. Happy mm-hmm. birthday. How old is he? 40? I don't know. How, how old is he? Two years older than you? Your last year was 03. His last year was 01. So he's 42 he, or 43, probably? I'm guessing he would have been 18 in 98. So, yeah, he's probably probably two years older. Yeah, year and a half, two years older. Stud. Yeah. Absolute stud. And I'll tell you one thing. These front seven guys keep popping up, and we – develop the guys that are on campus at the pace I'm hoping we do you are going to see a big difference in the way the linebackers look I mean you're going to see a big difference anyways you know the 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 previous staff and you know there were some good things about what they did defensively 
but there were also some things that made it really difficult on the linebackers. And one of those is a moving front. You know, whenever your front is is moving in front of you, it can create chaos and create uh, some some mix-ups and blocking schemes and confusion by offensive line. But the one thing that is bad about it for backers is you have to wait for everything to kind of clean up in front of you to see where you're going to fit. I mean, you know what what gap you're supposed to have. It's kind of hard because you got a D lineman in front of you, then he stems, and then he moves back to that gap. I mean, you've got to – all of that is just more to to add to what you're already trying to figure out what your responsibility is in, in, the, in the first place. But uh, then you've got to wait for it to clear up and clean up and – you know, the gap that you're supposed to fit in may not be there. You know, the D lineman may put an offensive lineman in that gap and you got to fit off of him. This will be a much more defined defensive line with the way that they play. They'll, they will move from time to time, don't get me wrong, but it's going to be way more defined and I think you're going to see kind of more – standard, for lack of a better term, sure. standard linebacker play. I'm guessing you saw a lot of the photos that emerged from the uh, Party at the Palace event this weekend. I'm yeah. talking about one in particular. There's yeah. one with Jacoby Johnson, Peyton Bowen, uh, Ted Roof was in there. Anyway, everyone, all the prospects, they're wearing the same uniform, in right. the same uniform combination. It's the all-red alternates uh, with the white, Jordan gloves and the red cleats. Should we take that as an indicator that they will be wearing the all red alternates at some point this season? Because you know the uniform topic is I you can always have it, but that's something that people took away this weekend. Oh, guess we're wearing the all red alternates for a game this year. Uh, no, I don't believe you can make that connection necessarily. Teddy's reporting a black jerseys is what OU will wear this year. Let the record show. No, I'm just saying that I, I don't know how those photo shoots work. If you go into the facility, you've been in there, right? Yes. They have once. They have like these mannequins throughout the facility that have the different uniforms on. I I don't know. They may have just said like what uniforms do you guys want to wear for pictures and they said let's wear the all red ones like I don't I don't know what goes into those pictures but it's nothing new I saw a lot of people thought they were it was a new uniform it's not it's the all red bring the wood that they've worn previously maybe they wear it this year maybe they don't I don't think that because you see recruits wearing it means that you should uh, feel one way or the other about it showing up this season. So when they run out in the Kent State game wearing those, is what are you gonna what are you gonna say to that after they do that? Oh hell! Just don't wear them against Kansas <laughs> State or anything like that. I'll say the same thing. I always say, um, I'm glad the players like them. Yeah, I'm sure that's, you do. That's it. Uh, BV, he does strike me as a guy that if they played a terrible first half of those, take that crap off at halftime, and they'd come back in the traditional home uniforms for the second half. Well, you know, he – at Clemson, there's things he learned from Dabo Savini, and there's things that he took from Dabo. There's obviously things that he's going to do on his own that maybe he took from either Snyder or Venables or developed – or uh, Stoops, rather, and developed on his own. You know – if if he believes in 
Dabo's uh, philosophy on uniforms, which it kind of lines up with what we how, how we've heard him talk before. They're not going to wear a alternate, but that contract may preempt what he thinks. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But uh, Dabo said, we're not wearing alternate uniforms. I want – go back, tell me what the traditional uniform is. We're going to wear that. And then on military appreciation, we're going to wear purple. That's it. I don't want the guys thinking about it. I don't want them worried about what, what combination we have this week. I'm not answering questions about it. I'm not answering the questions from the team about it. This is what we wear. Of and course, we wear. Uh, that was a direct quote from Dabo, but in a much uh, lower pitch than how <laughs> Dabo said it. I'm not going to ask any answer any questions about it now. <laughs> I'm sick of listening to my guys. They uh, don't know what we're wearing. Can't decide what's worse: the all red alternates or 11 a.m. kicks. All right, I don't. We don't need to steer this into a uniform discussion today. We've got uh, too much other content out there. But it was just a question that was being floated out there. That's it. Yeah. Rocky is 43 today. That's on the text line. Greg McElroy catching some jabs today. Uh, someone called him a butt clown, basically, and just sent a picture of him uh, on TV on ESPN. Huh? What did he say? Did he? He made biggest a- question. The Big Twelve. Greg says, "Can any team get to ten wins?" Uh, <laughs> yes, Greg. There are there are a couple uh, teams, in fact, that can get to ten wins. That is an interesting question. Uh, and whenever you look at the schedule and. Kind of how it unfolded a year ago, you had three teams get to 10 wins or more. Oklahoma State Cowboys just up the road in Stillwater, Baylor Bears, and the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, I think that list is probably going to be about the same this year. I think it's it's probably too much to ask for Kansas State to go win 10 games. They were 8-5 and a year ago. You know, when you think about it, though, eight and five a year ago, and they had to play with the Howard kid down the stretch, which, you know, is a guaranteed loss for them. So maybe if they get good play out of um, Adrian Martinez, the Martinez, who do they play in the non con Missouri this year? Is that who they play? Feel like they might play Mizzou this year. Yes, South Dakota, Missouri, and boy, that red hot Tulane team. So Tulane's going to be the best team they play, uh, not Missouri. Oh, shot at Missouri, huh? Yeah, uh huh. Their their uh, their head coach will be worried about telling jokes in the presser. Pretty much that week. So. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I I think Kansas State. I would say is a long shot at a ten win season, but. I'd say the same three you had a year ago have a really good chance to do exactly that again. And you got a you got a long shot on Kansas State and a long shot on oh gosh. Is there anyone else? Iowa State? Are you I mean I like wins? that we've mentioned like four or five teams now and we're not even bringing up the University of Texas, which just proves every point about that organization right now. We're really going to bring up Iowa State who just lost the maybe the most talent that they've ever had. I know I know it didn't equal in wins, but Iowa State just lost the most talent they've ever had and we're bringing up Iowa State winning 10 games before mm-hmm. we're bringing up the University of Texas. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, they'll have a more proven guy at quarterback than Texas will. <laughs> Upper Decker is. He is. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We will wrap up our number one next. Cavens Construction bringing you our number one of the rush on this Monday. OU gets a, another four-star commitment this time out of Austin, Texas, Westlake High School. He was a Texas legacy. Doesn't really matter. He picked OU over Texas and Oregon. OU now up to the number six overall class, and they are right on the heels of Texas at number five. So the thought a month ago, man, that they would have a better recruiting class than Texas was pretty far-fetched, and now they're right on their heels. Um, yeah. I know you don't bind that or care as much no, no, about no, no, everyone no. else, but it is interesting how much they've just flown up the radar. Well, yeah, no, I think all of that's interesting. I'm just saying that uh, how 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 big of an impact is Arch Manning on that class and where, you know what I'm saying? Oh, because, significant. He's the number one overall player. Right, yeah. and he's the number one overall player, and there's – more than a handful of people, and I don't know. I don't know how to evaluate it. I, I, I don't know anything about evaluating high school quarterbacks. But there's more than just a couple of people that think that that rating is not legit, right? Well, the only people that do think it's legit um, are the people that are putting the rankings together. I mean, if you, you can read into that what you will, but right. the people actually, it feels like everyone else not associated with uh, associated with those rankings think, yeah, he's, right. he's uh, evaluated a little bit too highly. Right. Well, um, I wonder what, what, what do you think the fallout is? Because that's got to be, that's got to be an issue there in the recruiting circles to lose a, a legacy kid that lives in Austin to Oklahoma, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, it's probably similar to losing Cole Adams to Alabama. I mean, you're not losing them to your biggest rival. Oh, you didn't, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be a, a, a panic on that just because yeah. he looks like a difference maker, man. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, quick timeout. Hour number two of the rush coming up next. <laughs> 